Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Caroline Stephen, financial journalist here. Want to know how elite entrepreneurial leaders think? In today's episode of Talking Trading, we speak to special guest Michelle Duval, who is the founder of Fingerprint for Success. And we look at what the world's most successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders have in common. Michelle helped find the field of professional coaching in Australia in 1997. And through her passion, she became a leading voice, forging transformational coaching worldwide. In today's interview, we discuss the attitudes of entrepreneurial leadership that she's observed in over 20 years of coaching, what works in the business world, and her favorite quotes on success by the world's most famous entrepreneurs. But first, let's hear from the Wheeze Bedford in Mind Power on how you are the sum total of the decisions you have made in life. But I'm tired. Oh, I hear that as an excuse all the time. I get it. It is hard to adult, but as an excuse for not learning about the markets, it's really not appropriate. You are the sum total of all of the past decisions you've made. What you see in your life right now is the result of your past decisions. I know it can be exhausting, and I know sometimes results seem elusive, but unless you continue forward, unless you use forward momentum, you'll never see what the markets will reveal to you. I guarantee you, if you don't make the tough decisions now about where you invest your time, you'll end up with the same results you've always got. What can you delegate or release or free up? What habits can you alter to give you back your life? Every exceptional trader grapples with these issues. And it's the decisions that they make that will determine their level of equity in the future. Chris Tate and Louise Bedford have been running their Repeat for Free mentor program continuously for the past 17 years. They'll show you how to trade every instrument over every time frame. You want in? Register at tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. That's tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. Hi, I'm Terence O'Dean, the Red Family Foundation Professor of Finance at UC Berkeley, and I like talking trading. For over 20 years, Michelle Duval has been a professional business coach. 
1997, she helped find the field of professional coaching in Australia. She is now the founder of Fingerprint for Success, a company which examines the attitudes and motivations that distinguish entrepreneurs from the rest of the population. Michelle Duval from Fingerprint for Success. Hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hello, wonderful to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to join you. Let's get into your work. You've led a groundbreaking study into the attitudes of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. How did you come to do such a study? Well, I had this really unique background as a coach and I started my first coaching practice in 1997, um, back in the day when people would say, what sports team do you coach? And I ended up creating this unusual niche of working with what I call uh, creative artists, so actors, writers, producers, inventors, and of course, entrepreneurs. And I was helping them through the ideation phase, the startup phase, and then the phase of funding and massive growth, and then helping founders to figure out what they wanted to do and many of them wanted to actually sell their business which is known as an exit and so I helped many people have significant exits from you know a couple of million dollars all the way up to um, 400 million and helping others go on to do an IPO and many of those have gone on and helping people who've done multi-billion IPOs. So I started to notice some unusual patterns between those who start a business and actually sell a business within five to seven years and then people who go on to grow businesses over 15 plus years. And as I noticed that, I was also working with business owners who started their businesses but were struggling or they'd had multiple failures and had even gone bankrupt. And I noticed that the attitudes of how they led their businesses were radically different. So over a 15-year period, I started to track a whole lot of case studies. So I did 15 years of qualitative research and then in 2011, I started the process of a quantitative study. So I got um, academics involved here in Australia and in the UK and we sampled um, a group of uh, the most successful entrepreneurs and a group of people who'd failed and did a lot of correlational analysis. So looking at business outcomes such as, you know, number of investment events, people who actually had those exits selling their businesses and people who had um, raised lots of money, uh, profitability, a whole lot of other things including, you know, age and gender and those sorts of things. And we found groundbreaking correlations between certain attitudes and business outcomes. So what were some of those key findings? Well, some of the interesting ones are, so we had a hypothesis. Those who start and exit a business, as I said, have different attitudes than those who actually grow a business. And what we, um, and when I say grow a business, it's like a sustainable 10, 15 year business. And what we found was is that those who start an early stage venture and are successful at capital raising and then selling their business actually have a very low focus on details, really low. So much so that it's outside the range of the Australian current population, for example. They also have a very low focus on structure. They have a very low appreciation, if any, of procedures. And what we saw is that that was correlated with venture success. Yet as the business matures and it gets a lot of scale and goes beyond the five-year mark, um, we noticed that the attitudes that were successful early need to change. And we see that the need for detail increases. 
the need for structure increases and so does the need for procedures increases. And one of the, the things that we discovered from the qualitative and quantitative study is that very often founders don't understand that about themselves and they don't adjust at that critical stage and that's often the reason why businesses um, fail at that point. A couple of weeks ago I interviewed CEO of Boost Juice, Janine Alice. And she was talking exactly about this and how she had to grow at this five-year point. Yeah. And very often, uh, if someone's not as aware as Janine obviously is, um, they think that because that was what caused them to actually survive through that critical period, because the stats are that um, 60% of businesses, as you most, you know, most listeners will know, um, fail within the first three years and um, 98% of businesses fail altogether. So we had this rare and unprecedented opportunity to sample the 2%, but not just the 2% that survived, the 2% of the 2% that succeeded. Um, and so it's really insightful for any business owner to understand what we refer to as blind spots. When you know about your blind spots, so the metaphor we use for a blind spot is, you know, when you drive your car and you look in your side you know, mirror to have a look to change lanes and unless you get instructed to find out that you have a blind spot there, it's where the retina can't actually see and there's actually a gap in your vision. You're unaware of what you can't see and um, it's actually a physical limitation of our eyesight. And from a self-awareness standpoint, we all have those areas that unless someone gives us feedback on, we don't even know that that's an area to even be aware of. And so because um, our users are able to benchmark themselves against those sample groups, they're able to identify what they have as blind spots and then importantly able to optimise around that to choose a co-founder or importantly look at the co-founding team and see where as a collective you actually have blind spots. And then you can actually start to hire your leadership team and key um, advisors and even choosing to build your board, you can make sure that you're actually getting the critical lenses. So we call this entrepreneurial leadership and it's very different to corporate leadership. Um, in a corporate environment, um, if you have a high focus on structure, you're able to get a lot of stakeholders on board because you've got a very well-formed plan. Yet what we found from our research is is that at spending all that time planning before getting into the market to validate your ideas um, is burning up cash, is burning up time, and you could build this amazing plan, yet the first instance of getting it out there, it might not be the right thing. So um, what we found in our research is successful entrepreneurs get the concept and they get into action rapidly, and then after they figure out what they're validating and what works, then they build planning around that. Can you give us a story, one of the most, one of the biggest success stories from your clients? Um, I've got lots of lots and lots and lots of case studies. I'll share one that's very comfortable for me to share their story, um, and that is Creel Price and Trevor Folsom. Um, some of your listeners will be very familiar with them. They started their business in 1998 with just $5,000 each. Creel borrowed it from his farming father and Trevor borrowed it from his credit card. So they had $10,000 between them. And um, 11 years later, they actually sold their business for $109 million. And um, exactly. So very significant um, business exit. And what was really interesting, I started working with them one year after they started their business. And um, they were going through rapid, rapid, rapid growth, similar growth to any of the large firms that we all know of, you know, like Canva and 
um, Atlassian and, yeah. you know, all of the, the, the rapid high growth firms. So they were going through that type of a growth. And so they realized early on the benefits of having coaching. So I'd coach both Trevor and Creel individually every two weeks. And then I would coach them as a co-founding team every quarter. And um, I worked with and coached their leadership team as well. And we didn't have fingerprint for success in those days. We didn't have technology to do the assessment, but we were able to do it through interviewing them. So we'd listen and we'd be able to detect the same attitudes and we were able to record them and measure them. And so they made them a critical part of their hiring process and hiring around those, um, as well as actually having the coaching. And so through that self-awareness and through then um, them understanding their communication styles. So any founder of a business, you know, is usually very unique and they have their own approach and they have their own contribution that they give to the business. And very often there's room for um, those strengths to actually cause conflict in the partnership. And so those founders who have regular stepping back and spending time with each other, um, all of the case studies, including Creel and Trevor, uh, allows them to understand the best way to get the best out of your co-founder and your business partner. And when you're really focused on getting the best out of them rather than getting annoyed and frustrated with their limitations, you can then start to really create this composite where you're synergizing um, and teaming rather than uh, just getting annoyed that they don't cover all the bases. And no one covers all the bases. So we have this philosophy, it's a, it's a coaching philosophy really, is play to your strengths. Position yourself in roles that align with your natural passions and interests and then um, design engineer people in roles that, you know, you're not great at. So if you're really low on detail, um, yes, you'll be able to do detail, um, but you don't love it. You get drained, you get exhausted, and you miss stuff because you're not looking for it. So get people around you who love it. Give us another attitude, another attitude that stands out in these hustlers who make it. Yeah, so when we look at those who are leading out in revolutionary disrupting as people refer to these days language they you know these companies have individuals who don't see rules so one of the things we measure in fingerprint for success is how much do you care about rules and who do you think should set the rules and um, how comfortable you to follow the rules of others and one of the things we measure is what we call indifference and we found that those who are really creative and who are disrupting are indifferent to rules. They actually don't see the world through a set prism of rules of right and wrong. And so as a result of that, they can be um, seemingly that they don't care about other people's expectations or industry expectations because they literally don't see the world through a prism of rules. And so what we find is, exactly, we find is that they're very, very creative as a result of that. Um, They create things that other people are constrained by because they see the limitations and rules. They colour in the lines, so to speak, whereas these founders, these particularly tech founders, um, who are very successful, don't see the lines. The Steve Jobs generation. (laughs) You have 16 amazing quotes from entrepreneurs on your website, and I want to go through some of them because some of them are very funny. And if you have anything you'd like to say about them, please do. So the first one that cracked me up was, the only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. Vital (laughs) Sassoon. Any comments? (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot of people don't realise, and I was having a conversation with someone last night about this, um, some startup founders in Australia um, sponsored by Safety Culture have created a documentary about the startup culture. And there's a quote in the 
in the trailer for this movie that says um, that they were working literally 18-hour days for the first five years. And I was speaking to someone last night who said, that can't be true. It sounds like a a ramp-up. You know, surely they're not doing that. And from my experience of working with these types of founders is it's absolutely true. To survive and thrive and grow at the rate, these companies are growing at 30 to 40% per annum. And that's just an enormous, enormous pace. So um, they are having to work that hard. And a lot of people are looking and seeking at this stage lifestyle. And if you want to build a firm versus being a solopreneur, it is definitely about the grit and the hard work to make it happen. Okay. The question I like asking myself almost every day is, am I doing the most important thing I could be doing? Mark Zuckerberg, co-founder of Facebook. Well, this one's an awesome quote because it talks to two key things. One is a sense of purpose and contribution and the other one is understanding your uniqueness in your team so you can look at mark he's just passionate about purpose and he's all about um, understanding who you are what's your unique gig what you got to contribute and then importantly looking at the composite of your team and if you're all trying to do the same thing you're just overlapping no one's actually knowing who they are the reason why um you know bands are so successful is the lead guitarist knows they're the lead guitarist. The singer knows they're the singer. And no one's, you know, no one's um, really, they don't do much overlapping. Some of them have multiple skills, but when it comes to leading out, they've got their piece that they play and they play full out uniquely and they contribute their, their uniqueness. So unless you really have the self-awareness and your team has the self-awareness of your uniqueness, it's really hard to get the best out of everybody. And so as a result of that, it helps you to prioritise. This, this thing about what Mark's written there is all about prioritisation. Um, it's very easy to get um, hooked up into all of the details that you have to deal with even if you don't like them. And you can lose sight of the bigger picture and the purpose of your role or the business or what you're doing. So this quote talks to purpose and prioritisation. It's hard to visualise someone as a leader if she is always waiting to be told what to do. Cheryl Sandberg, founder of Lean In. Yes, um, and the COO of Facebook. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's a potent woman and, and she's also been going through a lot in her personal life with her husband dying. That's um, right. Yes, she went through the, the terrible death of her husband who was the CEO of SurveyMonkey. Um, so she's she's a great person for any um, any founder actually to to follow. She's got some great leadership support and tools in there. So what this says is that leaders are natural to initiate. They start and and set things off, and it's, people follow because you started. So this is a distinction. Now we measure this in Fingerprint for Success. We measure measure um, how motivated or interested or comfortable is someone to get an idea and to turn it immediately into action. Now, our successful group of people, founders, are 40, sorry, 38% higher than the rest of the working population to initiate their ideas. And that's why people follow them, because they go out on the limb, they take the first step, and people start to follow. And so, um, particularly in the field of entrepreneurship, initiating and taking the first step is critical, um, because otherwise other people come along and acts more quickly than you, and everyone starts to follow them. If you don't have time for the small things, you won't have time for the big things. Richard Branson from Virgin. 
Yeah, so this is about those important things that delight teams, so in terms of creating the culture and actually delight users or customers and clients. And these are the defining things that define one's brand. And we all know that Richard's all about brand um, and creating empowering, amazing cultures and cult-like following. And it's those in those unique pieces that you identify. So understanding what your unique selling proposition is and digging into the detail that reflects that and communicates that in different places is the critical pieces that he's speaking to there. And um, so that, that lends itself to a number of different things that we measure around um, a founder's attitude. So we measure how much does someone uh, look for routine, familiarity, and similarity, which has been the same as, and how much do you actually look for uh, what's different, revolutionary, um, and it helps us to know how creative you are. So understanding that helps you to highlight with that difference what is the unique pieces that makes you, your brand, your business, your product different. Chase the vision, not the money. The money will end up following you. Tony Hay. Tony Shay. Tony Shay, CEO of Zappos. Yeah, so Zappos has an amazing, amazing cult-like following. Um, so they're the online shoe store that got sold to Amazon in 2009 for $1.2 billion. And Tony's actually one of the investors in our company, Fingerprint for Success. And um, so that's a concept which is really akin to our heart, which is that when you are doing what you're passionate about, and when you talk to the people that we studied, um, they all tell you that the money is a byproduct of just doing what they love. And they're commercial, don't get me wrong, they're commercial. Um, they're looking at how they can be more successful because every founder knows that a metric of your success is how financially successful the business is. But they're not doing the business to make the money, they're doing the business because they love it. They love um, starting new things, they love leading the way, they love leading people and they love creating a product or a tool or a service that really is impactful and meaningful. And that's what kind of brings us back to Mark Zuckerberg and that concept of purpose. And Tony is Tony Shea is all about that as well. And that's what they did at Zappos. Um, they got people on board who love to serve. Um, and their customer service is probably the best in the world. Um, and, and Tony's written a book called Delivering Happiness, which is an awesome read um, and really speaks to this concept of passion. And stay tuned, guys, to hear part two of Michelle Duval's interview on entrepreneurial leadership. I'm Caroline Stephen. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary, and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.